Welcome to the Your Courageous Life podcast, where we discuss psychology and tools to help you create better habits, cultivate discipline, and live with courage, aka grit and emotional resilience. I'm your host, Kate Swoboda. Learn more about my books and get additional resources at yourcourageouslife.com. And now, here's today's episode. All right, everybody, let's talk about it. How to manage overwhelm. I know that with all the pings, dings, notifications, the things people are managing with their time, if you're a parent trying to be emotionally supportive of your kids and make sure that you spend time with them, but also give them time alone and challenge them in the ways they need to be challenged and help them to succeed in school, succeed in life, that can be really overwhelming. If you're not a parent, life can still be really overwhelming. You've got a job. You've got people you're trying to see. You're trying to figure out who you are. Let's just be real here. It's hard to be a human. It's, it's just challenging to be a human. And I am starting off with naming some of the things that can contribute to our overwhelm and really trying to normalize that experience of being overwhelmed as something that we all encounter from time to time because I just think that it's so important for there to be another voice in your head aside from the self-critical voices that might be telling you that you should be doing life so much better. I would like my voice to be another voice in your head reminding you that, in fact, everybody gets overwhelmed sometimes. I get overwhelmed sometimes, of course. Now, having that having been said, I actually think we have a lot more power and agency over overwhelm than we think we do. Because what happens is we tend to feel the feelings of being really overwhelmed, and then we believe everything that we feel and we take it as truth. And we've all had that experience before of getting really stressed out about something that we were worried were going was might happen or getting really overwhelmed and then like maybe we just did all we could do that day, we went to bed, you wake up the next day and it's like yeah, you still have a lot to do, but it doesn't feel nearly as overwhelming as it did before. Right? So, we're going to dive into that today. Managing feelings of overwhelm crucial for mental well-being, emotional well-being. Now, always I want to stay in my lane. If you feel like your overwhelm is getting seriously out of control, if it is taking over your life, if the overwhelm is leading to you know things like you can't sleep, you can't eat, you're having panic attacks, get help. You need to consult with a mental health professional for personalized guidance. That's just really, really important. But Even if you're working with someone on overwhelm and anxiety in a professional context, there are things that we can do every single day that help us to manage our overwhelm. And I'm going to talk about those specific tools today. In fact, I'm going to go over five specific things. And I feel like they have some level of overlap, but you'll see what I mean as I break these down. So first... You know, I'm going to go there. It's going to be mindfulness, some kind of mindfulness-based practice. So overwhelm is not just about talking yourself out of the feelings of overwhelm. That is often a first strategy people try. And then the anxiety and the feelings, the somatic sensations in their body end up overriding all these attempts they're making to go, this isn't so bad. This shouldn't be so overwhelming. 
don't think about it too hard. You know, like we tell ourselves these, ourselves these things to try to feel less overwhelmed. And that's great that we're trying to support ourselves in these ways. But we got to attend to the body. So we need some kind of mindfulness-based stress reduction practice. And it can look a lot of different ways. Meditation is my personal favorite. I start every single day with a session of meditation. I use the free Insight Timer app. You can find me, actually, I'm a, a meditation teacher on the Insight Timer app. So if you go looking for me, you'll find me. Um, I'm also, the link is also at the bottom of my website. It's in the footer. So you don't have to go find me, of course, on Insight Timer to have a mindfulness or meditation practice because there's actually a bajillion different styles of mindfulness and meditation that are out there. I personally really like guided meditations. I like sitting down and having someone speak and then kind of contemplating those words and meditating and being mindful and getting present around the words that they're sharing, whether those words are around reminding myself to be gentle with myself or those words are around manifestation. I mean, there's a lot of options and it's part of why I love Insight Timer so much is that you can choose anything you really want to choose. But essentially the first tool is you've got to have some kind of mindfulness practice because that is where you start to slow down. And when you slow down your breathing, you slow down the other somatic triggers that are going on in your body. And it also helps you to not feel so locked into your thought processes around why you're overwhelmed. So maybe you're feeling overwhelmed because it's, I have too much to do and not enough time. Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed because you are having something of a vulnerability hangover. Like you realize, oh, I shared a lot of personal information with this person and now I feel self-conscious about it, which is a vulnerability hangover as Dr. Brene Brown calls it. Regardless of where these feelings are coming from, the support that I want you to have is feeling empowered to take control of what's actually going on in your body. And you can do that. It is a skill. It doesn't feel like you can take control at first, but it is a place that you can arrive at, which is fantastic. So first tool, mindfulness and meditation, and I recommend the Insight Timer app. Next tool, for sure, social support. You need people in your life who can empathize, who can offer guidance, and especially who can assist assist you in not feeling so alone, especially if your tendency is to isolate. Overwhelm really increases and magnifies in isolation. And I, I feel like the perfect example of that would be when you wake up in the middle of the night overwhelmed about something and have trouble going back to sleep. When you're, when you're, you know, when it's the middle of the night and there's no one you can necessarily call or you don't want to call anyone because, you know, then they're going to be like, oh gosh, what are you doing calling me in the middle of the night and, and stuff like that. That can be one of the most stressful times that we feel overwhelmed. So while I can't fix or offer a tool, actually, maybe I can because I'm about to talk about something else in a minute. And I just made that connection. But 
Well, I suppose there's no guaranteed way to fix the overwhelm that hits in the middle of the night when you don't have someone that you can call. Um, If you are filling your life with social support just generally, the clinical research into how social support benefits our lives is just so wide reaching. It's, it helps our immune system. It helps how we feel about ourselves. And for sure, social support is shown to be clinically validated as helping with feelings of overwhelm, even if the people that we're connected to are not necessarily giving us advice about that overwhelm. So tool number two is social support. Tool number three, reframing. And this is something that is derived from cognitive behavioral therapy, which is really a a therapeutic modality that's about how do we look at so-called cognitive distortions or belief systems that we carry that actually keep us from feeling good. So for instance, one cognitive distortion is to believe that everything is all good or all bad. That if things are good, they're good. If they're bad, they're bad. There's no in between. There's no nuance. And you can see how all or nothing thinking as a cognitive distortion, if it's running your life, it's going to contribute to feelings of overwhelm. So cognitive behavioral therapy uh, looks at techniques like reframing. And that's about challenging and changing how we think and perceive situations. How people can reduce feelings of overwhelm through reframing is that if you really, really believe, for instance, let's say you're overwhelmed because you worked on a project project at work and it, it, your boss gave you some feedback. And when your boss gave you some feedback, you went into this space of, oh my God, I suck. I can't do this right. This project was a mess. Slowing down and attending to, okay, what is it I'm actually thinking right now? I'm thinking I suck. Is that actually true? I'm thinking the project was a total mess. Is that actually true? Maybe you're going to a space of like, oh, it's just a matter of time before my boss fires me. Well, is that really true? Do you know that it's true? Do you have evidence that it's true? Um, And I really love the concept of reframing and especially asking this question about whether or not something is really true and what the evidence is because The feelings when we're overwhelmed are so strong, but we have to remember that feelings are real. They like to tell tall tales. So some manner of reframing and being aware of negative thought patterns and those cognitive distortions, and then reframing those cognitive distortions is really helpful. And here's a takeaway tool for you. Reframe your most common cognitive distortions when you are not overwhelmed and have it written down somewhere. So there's a lot of resources that are out there. You can actually Google a list of cognitive distortions. You could go to um, my publisher, New Harbinger. If you head over to their work, their their website, they have cognitive behavioral therapy workbooks and, and anxiety workbooks for you to actually work through. What is the cognitive distortion? What is the thought? What do I feel when I think that thought? And they have like these great worksheets in some of their materials where you can really break down piece by piece what you're thinking, how it's affecting you, and what you want to reframe it to instead. And the image I will leave you with before I move on to my next point um, is this. I love this one. 
If you are walking through a forest and up ahead on the trail, you see coiled in a little circle ahead of you, a snake, you're going to be afraid, right? Because you're looking at, you're going, oh my gosh, this is a snake. I mean, unless you're one of those nutty people who isn't afraid of snakes, I'm afraid of snakes, right? So you're going to see the snake. You're going to go, okay, I'm afraid of it. But if you suddenly realize that what's coiled ahead of you on the trail is not a snake, but a rope, you can't go back to seeing the snake. And that is the power of reframing. That when you reframe something and you find a deeper truth within you about what, what, you're, really, what you're really capable of, what the evidence really suggests when there's more perspective, it's harder to go back to seeing the snake and all the danger. Instead, it's like, oh, that's a rope. I'm going to be okay. So second tool is reframing. Third or, or sorry, that's not the second tool because I went from mindfulness to social support. Now, third tool is reframing. All right, fourth tool then. Um, time management. Time management. Because here's the thing. You have to stop the bleeding. And time management, when it's... I, I, I would be willing to put money down that, that nine times out of ten, someone who's really overwhelmed also needs to look at their time management. Because when someone feels like they constantly are trying to, oh yeah, I forgot that thing. Oh, and they get a ping like, um, you know, hey, are you gonna are you are you gonna meet with me after all? Oh no, I forgot that meeting. When it's all right, I'm gonna get home and make dinner and then, you know, give the kids a bath. And you get home and you realize I forgot to go, I didn't go grocery shopping, <laughs> you know, or I, I didn't get this or that recipe. There's a lot of forgetting that essentially happens that drives overwhelm. And so for as banal as it might sound, to-do lists, prioritizing your tasks, calendars, and I am speaking as someone who, I used to just say this, I just was like, oh, I'm just not one of those organized people. And way back in 2018, a friend of mine actually called me out slash called me in about this and said, Kate, you're always saying this about yourself. And actually, it was actually a member of my team. I adore her. She wasn't mean about it at all. But, but essentially, the message that she communicated was that as the leader of a team, I couldn't keep saying, oh, I'm just not that kind of person. I needed to learn the skill. And she was also like, I will help you learn the skill if you'd like any help. And that was kind of a wake-up call for me. Like, yeah, why am I continuing to repeat this self-limiting belief that I'm not capable of something when, in fact, time management is just a skill? Now I understand that so clearly. Time management is just a skill. That is it. And there, is, there I, I know that there are people who might have more challenges around that skill. Um, if you're neurodiverse and have more um, challenges around executive functioning, executive thinking, yes, you might have more challenges. And there is nothing that I've found in the clinical research that says that someone who is neurodiverse can't learn the skill. So, you know, everybody in life, whether it's time management or something else, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses, we all have things that we can do more naturally and things that we struggle to do more naturally. I, I'm i actually not neurodiverse, but I found time management to be a struggle for a really long time. And sitting down and really going, okay, 
I have to make this a skill is essential. And if you want just like a quick skinny on how to make something a skill, really it is you pick a tiny little piece of it and you get really consistent about that tiny little piece and then you pick another piece of it. So it's like first you might just go, whenever I talk to anyone about an event, I immediately put it on the calendar. It's just that tiny. Or maybe you might go, as soon as I think of something I need to do, I immediately write it down. And it's just that tiny. After a while, you'll start to do things like buffer your time or, um, you know, have dedicated time for dedicated tasks. Cool. You can do all that later if this is a skill that you're working to develop. To develop the skill initially, pick a tiny corner of time management and work on just that tiny corner and being consistent on it and then start adding to it over time. Okay, the last thing that I'm going to bring up is going to be some kind of protocol that you have that is tied to relaxation. And I think of this as the pull the emergency ripcord protocol, okay? So I've talked today about mindfulness, and that is something that if you're doing it regularly, you are kind of priming your whole system to your somatic system to come down, your anxiety to come down. You're setting yourself up for success. And I've talked about social support, and the more social support you have, you're setting yourself up for success. Reframing, same thing. You can learn it as a skill to use in the moment. You can also learn it, do it when you're not re-stimulated around overwhelm and then have that available to support you when you need it. And then time management, setting yourself up for success. This last one, when I'm talking about relaxation techniques, one of your techniques could be like a meditation or mindfulness exercise. But what I'm really talking about right here is pulling that emergency cord and going, what is the thing that if I am just spinning out, I I'm just like, I force myself to do it. I stop and I go do this thing. The relaxation protocol that's pulling my emergency cord and going, I need help and I have to stop what I'm doing and go do this thing right now. And the reason that I am encouraging you to have something like this in mind is that otherwise overwhelm just spins out of control. You, I know you know what I'm talking about because we've all had those days. I'll share with you my personal um, relaxation technique that's like the emergency, I got to do this right now. It is taking a walk while listening to a podcast. So taking a walk, getting out of my house, walking around, physical movement, that really helps. If I just take the walk, what sometimes happens is I ruminate on the thing that's causing me some overwhelm. And I don't want to ruminate because that's just going to make it worse. So instead, what I'm trying to do is I'm listening to a podcast. And particularly if I have a podcast that is on a different topic, or if I have a podcast that I know always kind of makes me laugh or is really supportive or uplifting, then those are things that are going to take my mind off of the thing that is overwhelming. So just as a for instance, if... um you know, if I was really overwhelmed about something I was working on, a deadline I was trying to meet, writer's block actually, that that would be something that comes up for me pretty regularly when I know what I want to say, but I just 
can't quite say it and then I have a limited amount of time to create content and then I need to work on something else and the words aren't coming. Oh, I hate that feeling. <sighs> feeling a little overwhelmed just, just even thinking about that. So what I do in those cases is I go take a walk, I get completely out of my house, and I'll probably listen to like a CrossFit podcast or something like that. So something that's just completely different than whatever I'm actually creating. So, all right. Um, Everyone's experience of overwhelm certainly is unique. Um, I don't want anything that is shared here to trump the guidance from a therapist who's going to really say, like, this is actually what you need to be doing. But everything I am talking about today with, you know, whether it's reframing, which comes from CBT, or, you know, how do you get really have, have some kind of protocol for relaxation when you're kind of in it with your overwhelm, all of that is research-based. You can head to my favorite resource, PubMed, to look up specific articles that are you know, the, the clinical re- literature on this is pretty vast. Um, but more than anything, I would say, please make sure that you are practicing some self-care for yourself and really going, okay, here I am. I'm just listening to Kate's podcast. Let me set up a regular mindfulness uh, practice. Let me sit down when I'm not feeling re-stimulated around overwhelm and identify those cognitive distortions that... Um, can really spin the overwhelm to another level. Let me look at my time. You know, I tell you, when you start cleaning up your time management, a lot of other things fall into place, leading to a less overwhelmed life. So I hope that these have been helpful for you today. Um, As always, excited to hear any feedback that you might have and about anything else that you might be doing to manage your overwhelm. And uh, I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. All right, that's today's episode of the Your Courageous Life podcast. Thank you for listening. To dive in deeper and continue the work, head on over to yourcourageouslife.com. See you there.